Unmute, unmute yourself, DM, otherwise we'll say you are playing. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was saying I've seen the office of the DG. Uh, the minister hasn't indicated uh, uh, his arrival. If he does arrive, it will be later, but I'll check with him. No, that's okay. Then uh, let let it not be taken as an act of disrespect that we start starting the meeting when the minister is not yet here. Um, Chair, Chair, I have a response from the PRO, the minister in the cabinet this morning. Oh, so you won't be here? No, no, Chair. Okay, sure. Honourable members, good morning. Good morning, um, Chair. Good morning. Um, under level three of coronavirus disease 2019, I am sure the feeling is mutual that um, we move in towards a period that we all know and all wish for. I am sure we'll continue to work hard together to assist one another in ensuring that uh, finally we are at level zero or level one, uh, but whichever you call it normality. Uh, today we are going to deal with a, some few issues and I uh, want us to be frank, upfront, and ensure whatever we are going to contribute in today's meeting is actually in the best interest of all our people, all the people of South Africa. On our agenda, uh, we will have three items. Um, briefing by the department on the Quarter four expenditure, adoption of the report, and minutes of uh, the last meeting. Uh, that is the agenda for today. Uh, let me hear any apologies from the Secretariat. There were no apologies from members this morning um, received. Oh, okay. <clears throat> we will we will in time check all the participants. I've not seen uh, the fighters, but it's okay. Let me take this opportunity then uh, to allow the department to brief us on the expenditure of the uh, on the fourth quarter expenditure uh, dm uh, thank you very much chairperson um the, the fourth quarter expenditure uh, from the department actually will be presented by the director general but let me hasten to indicate that uh, for sure members having gone through the report, the, uh, uh, the presentation by the department, they will be aware of some underspending in a few areas, which actually uh, uh, will be the underspending that the department will be able to uh, talk to. But let me indicate that 
the year that was 2019-20 uh, has been a year that uh, has been an active year in the department. The arrival of the political heads uh, uh, in, towards the end of May, the arrival of the director general full-time, uh, we need to applaud Minister Mbalula that the Department of Transport had uh, a few years without uh, the director general. It was in Hollywood acting, acting, acting uh, until director general Mwemi arrives. We believe that uh, what we have uh, uh, done uh, has been to make sure that uh, several things that are falling apart or we assumed that were falling apart, there has been action that has been taken. We are aware of the action that the minister has taken. Uh, in Prasa, you are aware of the action that uh, because of COVID, it couldn't proceed of how we would want to turn around the taxi industry, how we would want to make sure that we recapitalize the taxi industry, and many other uh, uh, programs that you can be able to write home about. You are aware of the challenges, of course, of GFIP and the uh, Sandra Hepin being downgraded, and uh, we would be talking in the, uh, uh, probably the first quarter, second quarter of the downgrading of uh, airports company. And these are the precarious situation we find ourselves we, uh, in. But just before the end of the financial year, uh, the invisible, invisible enemy of COVID came in, which actually uh, uh, was part of the slowing down or of certain uh, programs in the department. Your program of uh, interviews and filling up the post has been one of the things that uh, we came across, which was before the end of the financial year. I wouldn't want to go deep into what the Director General uh, will be presenting to the uh, portfolio committee. Suffice to say that we are here uh, with you, we will be awaiting your guidelines and your guidance. We are here to take you from Parliament to say how do we go forward. Uh, uh, obviously, we are in the first quarter of uh, financial year 2020-2021, and therefore, uh, as we are dealing with uh, the, the, the last quarter, of 2019-2020, uh, it's a stepping stone towards uh, the first quarter and the financial year 2020-2021. Director General, I'll give it to you uh, to present to uh, the portfolio of the A committee. Thank you very much, Chairperson. <clears throat> Thank you, um, Deputy Minister. Uh, let's see the face of the director general of the department of transport and here why maritime and some of other programs are as bad as they are and some of those that are good let's hear good news and bad news that uh, day alec miami are you Present, are you ready? 
if you are ready, unmute. I, I, I am here, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning to the Chair and yes. good morning to the Deputy Minister and to the Honourable Members of the Portfolio Committee. Good morning, sir. Okay, Chair. Uh, may I load the presentation now, Chair, uh, with your indulgence? You can load the presentation, but I was impressed by Honorable Mangu this morning wearing a tie properly. And I said, <laughs> oh, Honorable Mangu, that's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, you can upload the... Uh, yes, uh, okay. Okay, Chair, um, is the presentation visible to all members? Yeah. Yes, I can read the presentation. So if I can, all members can. Okay. <laughs> okay, Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Chair, I would uh, hasten to move to this, but just to indicate that uh, the first quarter is was the last quarter of the year, uh, as it is known, and uh, we had been wrapping up, and hence the... DM's uh, uh, opening remarks uh, are both reflective of uh, the fourth quarter and the year under review, but they are also forward-looking in terms of uh, the issues that have subsequently occurred uh, post the, uh, the closure of the financial year on the 31st of March uh, 2020. And uh, we will then cover the expenditure report uh, uh, as per the outline there, Chair. We will look uh, certainly at the expenditure per program, and then we will look at the expenditure per economic classification, and then move on to transfers and subsidies, focusing on some of the major grants, as this is the area where the bulk of the money the department has in a budget is spent on. And then we'll also look a bit forward, uh, post the financial year end and closure of books, at the rollover applications we have made in respect of uh, some of the savings and under expenditure items we have experienced uh, during the financial year. Chair, if I move on to the expenditure per program, the, pro uh, the department still has seven programs uh, uh, listed as such there administration, ITP, rail, uh, road, civil aviation, maritime, as well as public transport branches. And uh, those seven programs uh, have been allocated resources. As you see, the total allocation of the budget was 64 billion. And if you look at it uh, in as far as the program expenditure patterns, uh, in two of the programs, we have spent 100% of that budget. And uh, in uh, three of the programs, we have spent 98%, and in one, 90 and in the other, 80%. Now, we have a direct charge uh, on the International Oil Pollution Compensation Fund, and uh, this uh, charge we uh, sometimes are a little over, sometimes are under, and uh, this time around, we are way below. Uh, we do budget for it adequately. We are charged directly, but we are also charged uh, in as far as uh, uh, the spillages that happen in our waters and uh, where we send uh, 
a team out for mop up and cleaning up uh, the oil spillages. So depending on how many in a year, uh, we use an impressed system to budget for it because uh, we never know what we're going to sit with. Now that we have spent just 25%, uh, as you would see in the current budget, we, we then uh, only top up uh, the 25% that we have spent on. And uh, it varies every year, uh, depending on what has happened in the year under review. So it's not an exact science, and you also don't want to under budget so that should there be more spillages, you are able to deal with them and you do not have capacity. And if I move to the other areas, I will come to the reasons why. In some areas, uh, the expenditure, like in civil aviation, was this low at 80%. I, I will uh, then uh, give reasons and detailed reasons as to how we arrived at that. But the total expenditure for the department under the air in review was 99% uh, all in all. Chair, so here are some of the reasons for over and under spending. Uh, in administration, vacancies, uh, some of them have remained uh, open and uh, we have been pushing uh, to reduce the vacancy rate. Uh, it has been sitting at about 10%. We have this far reduced it to 8% uh, and we are continuing to reduce it to well below the normative 5% uh, allowed by DPSA. And uh, to this extent, we have been communicating with the Treasury. They have agreed that they would retain uh, the, fun, uh, the funding for those positions uh, for uh, us to continue with the work. We were disrupted in filling all the uh, top management uh, vacancies uh, due to COVID. Uh, shortlisting was already done and uh, some interviews were already set and we had to, uh, to, uh, had to postpone and cancel them with the lockdown uh, coming through. On integrated transport planning, the underspend was on the regional corridor strategy, as well as on the national transport planning data bank projects. They had commenced, but uh, had to be stopped due to uh, the lockdown, and uh, we couldn't finish uh, the processes on time. So uh, certainly beyond uh, stage two, at when we arrive at level one of lockdown, we will resume with the programs and to bring them to finality. On rail transport, uh, the underspend has been on some few vacancies in that area. And on road transport, the underspending was on the Samba Swanke program. Uh, with all the challenges we have seen uh, with capacity of the provinces, and we have had this challenge uh, on the expenditure there. On civil aviation, uh, the underspend was on the watchkeeping services due to the reduced contract amount. Uh, this chair relates to the monopoly of telecom in the provision of the services uh, that we we hire and uh, the data as well as the radar services that we get to uh, keep watch of all the ships uh, in the ocean and to look at where they are and what is happening and uh, to also be able to be responsive to seafarers who are in distress and in that we are required by our membership of the IMO to keep a 24-hour watch and uh, to maintain it as such. Uh, previously, Telcom had uh, demanded uh, expenditure in this regard of about 120 million. We felt it was just too exorbitant and we compared uh, with other IMO countries and we looked at uh, the purchasing power parity of our country and how far we can uh, do a comparative study and we came to the conclusion that it was too exorbitant and too much. Uh, negotiations, uh, 
underwent and as they were happening with telecom. You would recall that in the last financial year, a portion of uh, the payment of the watchkeeping services was declared irregular expenditure by the AG because we continue to pay for the service, although the contract was not concluded. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had no way of not uh, continuing with paying for that, uh, primarily because if we stopped paying, then Telcom would terminate uh, the service and there will be no way for us to look at uh, the ships at sea. And we continued with negotiations parallel. And uh, when we did uh, our comparative analysis and put it on the table, it was only then that Telcom relented and accepted that uh, their costs were way too far. By that time, we had for the financial year under review budgeted about 100 million uh, towards uh, this, uh, seeing what their uh, quotations and, and invoices were ranging in. But we were able to show that uh, we actually should be paying about 50% or half of that. They finally agreed to a contract in the region of 50 uh, million rands, and which then meant that the rest of the amount we had uh, budgeted for in there was now excess. Uh, so, so in many ways here, we were victims of our own success in successfully negotiating a fair price. And therefore, we found ourselves with excess uh, budget there. Uh, and the money was already uh, ring-fenced and identified for watchkeeping. It was difficult to redirect it to do any other thing. In maritime transport, the underspend was on the merchant shipping bill as well as the feasibility study of the tugboats. And the merchant shipping bill chair, there was a delay with the cabinet process. You would recall that it came in and it went out and then it was then removed from the role of the bills we needed to deal with uh, 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 and on the leader of government business uh, uh, submission to parliament and thereafter uh, we did a motivation and then they finally accepted that it should get back on and uh, that caused a huge delay uh, for us to undertake review and not knowing whether the bill will ultimately get onto the roll or not but by the time uh, it went back on the roll a chair would recall that just before lockdown Cabinet had just approved uh, the bill for it to be tabled in Parliament, and the review process uh, will then commence uh, uh, with that uh, once it's referred for for comments. In as far as uh, the public transport area is concerned, the major under expenditure there uh, is on two key issues. Uh, first, tax recapitalization, which the demand uh, has been slow going uh, because of the resistance uh, by Santaco. Uh, they were raising the issue of dissatisfaction with the quantum of how much uh, subsidization uh, should come at the uh, issue of uh, surrender of a vehicle. Uh, they seemed the understanding was that they they were saying the 124,000 uh, 124, were paying is actually too little it can buy a car and we explained that this system is not for the government to buy cars for owners but is to subsidize them and give them a head start uh, in order for them to buy uh, a new vehicle uh, and uh, therefore the quantum was fair as the quantum really amounted to about 30 percent of the value of the vehicle so uh, from where we were sitting uh, it was fair, but we had that uh, dispute with them. But by the time lockdown came, the, you may have seen at the last uh, 
end, there was some spike after we had dis discussed with uh, Santaco and we began finding each other on the matter and uh, the spending pattern was improving. The other is uh, Nelson Mandela Bay, uh, the public transport network grant which uh, they get for the BRT. Uh, they are now under section 216, uh, subsection 2 of the constitution and as such uh, we have uh, suspended the transfers uh, to them and uh, resulting in a huge allocation of money to them not being spent. Uh, as soon as they come out of this, uh, we would be able to resume uh, work with them to finalize the BRT system uh, in that part of the country. If we look at economic classification, uh, compensation, we were looking and standing at 95% due to the vacancies that I have alerted. Uh, at that time, they were sitting at 10%, now at 8 and uh, goods and services uh, with all the savings i've indicated uh, at 89 percent on transfers and subsidies uh, we had spent 100 percent and on machinery and equipment 96 percent and on payment uh, in terms of financial assets 100 percent now the once more the reflection on that uh, international oil pollution compensation fund which we had spent just 25 percent if we look at the reasons uh, uh, in this regard, uh, as I've indicated as I was going, on transfers and subsidies, uh, major underspend was on the tax recap and as well as on the PTNG. And if we look at goods and services, uh, public transport grant monitoring, as well as uh, on watchkeeping services and Samba Swanke. If we look at uh, the transfers and subsidies, uh, Chair, now we will uh, look at the provincial uh, uh, the conditional grants that we do provide we look at public corporations as well as the departmental agencies and accounts and you would see that uh, there the bulk of uh, the expenditure has been expanded and the area at which we are sitting uh, with uh, savings has been on the PTNG and uh, there you can see that that saving is uh, what is reflective of the Nelson Mandela Bay situation. Uh, for every other thing, as you may see, we've gone uh, significantly well to spend uh, all what we were supposed to spend in this regard on those agencies and entities. In, a, in as far as uh, the other areas, uh, taxi scrapping, uh, transfers to taxi owners who are surrendering their vehicles, uh, the available budget was at 81 uh, million remaining. And if we look at international organizations, uh, we were remaining with just a few that were still to give us uh, invoices. Largely, the membership organizations and the treaties were signatory to and which we have to pay annual subscriptions and fees to are the ones that are a bit slower to give us invoices uh, on time. And uh, we were then remaining with about 798,000 uh, of what needed to be paid over to international organizations. And as far as every other thing like uh, leave pays and vehicle licenses, that we had expended in full everything that was budgeted uh, as per the requirements. On the provincial maintenance grant, uh, we tracked this one uh, because it's one of the uh, largest areas of our transfers and what we give uh, separately. And if you look at it, uh, Chair, there you would see that uh, the provinces that uh, had some degree of underspend uh, in as far as this is concerned, largest one was Limpopo, 
uh, at 25 million and also the Eastern Cape at 34 uh, million. And we have uh, since uh, zoomed into those two provinces to look at uh, what really the biggest challenges are with them. <laughs> but the other provinces, KwaZulu-Natal, Mpumalanga, Northern Cape, Northwest and Western Cape had expended their money in full. And with uh, Free State uh, leaving quite a negligible uh, amount and out in, uh, having some delays uh, with uh, the contractors and receiving some last invoices quite late after the end of the financial year. With Limpopo, we are intervening there and looking at uh, the difficulties they've had. They've uh, attempted to uh, do other things which uh, couldn't really uh, work. And uh, on the Eastern Cape side, they've been trying to hand over their roads, uh, some of the roads to us, but with no money. And uh, those negotiations have been back and forth. They've returned to the minister, we've returned back and so forth. But in the ultimate analysis, some money remained unspent uh, on some of those roads. Both the two provinces uh, will apply for a rollover, including Gauteng as well is applying for a rollover because it has since received the invoices and it will be able to pay. And uh, we have given our letters of support uh, for the two provinces to actually uh, get the rollover approvals in their provincial uh, treasuries. And as far as the public transport operations grant, uh, the PTOG, this one, as you can see, uh, the largest and expenditure came around Gauteng uh, at 420 million. And this largely has been the challenges uh, across their border with uh, Northwest and the, there. The NTI, uh, the Northwest Transport Investment, which has historical roots uh, of Northwest uh, that now are part of Gauteng as part of the demarcation process. And the NTI is uh, rendering services across the border. And uh, it's uh, servicing routes uh, like uh, Hamanskral, uh, Skampaning, Mandela View, and what too, Pretoria, and Atridgeville, and Mawopani, and uh, all of those foods. Uh, As a result, uh, they were placed under liquid provisional liquidation, and uh, with the challenges of the NTI, there was no contract then to service the routes of Gauteng. It left a lot of commuters stranded and very angry, and uh, we had had to intervene there because Northwest is under Section 100, and we had been uh, working closely with them. We were finally succeeded in getting the NTI out of provisional liquidation. And uh, we are beginning to settle uh, some of their old debts. And uh, we are trying to bring stability to the entity. And with it, and with them coming out of provisional liquidation, Chair, we have now paved way for the contract to be resigned with Gauteng and for a renewal to happen. And uh, expenditure has now begun. There were alternative uh, subcontractors that were put in place during that period, but because there was no contract, a rollover has been up, uh, requested uh, by the provincial uh, department to the provincial treasury to be approved so that uh, that could be serviced. Uh, again, you will also see Northwest 2 at uh, 14 million remaining. Some of the routes serviced by the NTI, uh, particularly around Mahikeng and uh, the Ngakamudurimulema region, uh, were not uh, processed and they couldn't be paid as the buses were not operational due to the provisional liquidation. But Northwest had managed to continue paying for 
other bus companies and other areas like Adamelang Bus Service and Rustenburg and so forth. Uh, with respect to um, Pumalanga, uh, the issues there about them and Lawfeld and the savings that they have re uh, realized as a result of COVID-19 and uh, the non-agreement on the stalling as well as the stationary kilometer thing is what has led to the remaining negligible amount of uh, 2 million. With Limpopo, 17 uh, million, they have attempted to shake the tree in terms of uh, getting new uh, smaller uh, players uh, into the fray. And they've been meeting resistance uh, all step of the way. We are in support of what Limpopo is trying to do. And hence, we are supporting them to try uh, salvage the 17 million to carry it over to the current financial year and to utilize it to get smaller bus companies on under-serviced routes to actually do the job there. So we hope uh, going forward with PTOG, this is an area we have to review uh, widely because the current setup uh, it's uh, reflective of pre-apartheid days and uh, it has not necessarily transformed and it has not allowed a real uh, transformation and significant uh, penetration and participation of black people into uh, the large bus uh, sector and on the most lucrative and and the most uh, viable routes uh, that are there to urban centers from uh, dormitory townships as apartheid special planning had intended. We need to challenge that and we need to use this grant effectively to transform the sector. And uh, we we are looking at uh, ways and means uh, of uh, utilizing this as an effective tool to help us achieve the transformative agenda in this regard. On the public transport network grant, uh, the PTNG, uh, as you may see, all other cities that are entitled to the PTNG had uh, spent all their funds. Uh, and if you uh, look at uh, the available budget, it was zero on our part, but with Nelson Mandela, we had retained 98 uh, million. But then uh, the issues are varied, uh, as you can see, according to the size of the city and the size of the program they are undertaking on each. Uh, here again, Chair, is an issue too on this grant. Uh, we have done a review and run on it, and we have looked at uh, the weaknesses that we have seen. And we now need to change uh, uh, the challenge, the special planning, by ring fencing funding on this program for new routes that will service uh, under previously uh, sidelined and underprivileged areas. Uh, most of the routes uh, do not necessarily service townships, they service uh, urban centers, as we have seen with the current BRT system. Uh, right across, we have evaluated almost all of them, and the township loops uh, are always uh, grossly underserviced. It's uh, only uh, Riavaya in the city of Johannesburg that has really made a greater effort to penetrate uh, uh, previously black areas and uh, in Soweto and the rules that are there, but it has to be expanded to all other areas that uh, are necessary and to also have a significant penetration of not just the main roads of Soweto, but uh, where uh, it can service even the fringes uh, of the market. So with that, there are about five uh, cities, uh, first two of them, uh, Mbombela and Musunduzi, uh, which the Treasury had said that this must be suspended for about three years. Um, they've been given money over and over 
some of them like uh, Msundusi in excess of four years and there's not been movement. In as far as uh, others like Rustenbeck, uh, Polokwane and so on which are struggling, uh, we have uh, worked with the Treasury, we are encouraging these cities to work with us and to agree to us uh, providing external capacity for them to be able to move because uh, there too we are seeing a huge struggle and uh, the services are not uh, starting as they are supposed to and they've been docked by one uh, project management crisis to the next and we seek to want to intervene once and for all and address all of that. So looking forward Chair, on the savings we have had and on what we did, so here we have now uh, began to say to the Treasury and commenced with our negotiations. We have applied for all of us uh, in as far as a significant amount of money on the savings, about 335 uh, million uh, there, thereof. And uh, first we have asked that uh, the money for Nelson Mandela Bay uh, be rolled over for them uh, so that when they do come out of section 216 as we were given their report of the assessment and they uh, are confident themselves that uh, after the final assessment is done they think that uh, they will be lifted out of section 216 and once that happens we should be having money available for them to commence uh, right away. On the other side, uh, the savings we have had on the civil aviation services on watchkeeping. Uh, Chair, there we have asked that a portion of this uh, 537,000 rands uh, be made available for the acquisition of the fleet broadband satellite uh, system uh, for SAMSA. As now the IMO system uh, has been discontinued, uh, it has been decommissioned and is bound to send the last signal uh, from the IMO headquarters uh, in October this year. By then, we should have had a system in place and we should have uh, replaced the old one. We should have already commissioned it and tested it. And uh, there we have asked that portion of this money for watchkeeping because it's savings on the same objectives uh, that Treasury should agree to that. Again, we have asked that uh, the remainder of the savings on the uh, section dealing with uh, watchkeeping that it be diverted for the fight uh, for disaster management in COVID-19 at 40 million rands. And uh, we have also asked that uh, a portion of the tax recapitalization uh, savings be utilized for uh, South Africa's hosting of the IMO World Maritime Parallel Event at 13 million. But as you may now know, uh, it has become quite clear that by the time the infection curve rises, uh, it will be exactly around the targeted time of October uh, when this uh, conference should have taken place. So now we are in uh, negotiations with IMO to have the conference postponed to next year and that the 20, uh, 20 edition of the conference not be held and that the rights be allocated to us automatically for 2021, uh, with the hope that by that time, we would have overcome the COVID-19 uh, uh, challenge and uh, we would be in a position chair to uh, then provide adequately for it. And we have asked that uh, also the remainder of the tax recap at 184 million, uh, that that be reprioritized and be given to us for Arrival Life campaign uh, with Texerica playing a major source of the remainder of the funding 
and uh, with uh, other little areas uh, of funding remaining on our budget also consolidated here to for arrive alive campaign uh, so SED's uh, treasury seems to be supporting us uh, on the issue of uh, uh, the public transport network grant for Nelson Mandela. They also are agreeing with us on the 537,000 for the uh, communication system for SAMHSA. And they are also supporting our request on the COVID-19 disaster response at 40 million. What they have not uh, accepted is the maritime uh, event seeing that uh, chances are that it will be postponed and it will be cancelled. So the 13 million we may not have. And initially on the Arrival Life campaign, they had said that uh, they would not uh, provide uh, the 184 because uh, when we went to the cabinet and presented the plan for Arrival Life, we had indicated that there was uh, funds available for it. And then we then showed them that... Uh, uh, what we presented was uh, where we cut the suit according to the available cloth. Uh, so we had done a size small because uh, that was what was there. But uh, seeing the challenge we are faced up with, uh, we have to go quite big in, in the fight on uh, road carnage and all of that. And we actually, if we had a bigger cloth, we could have cut an extra large uh, suit uh, because uh, certainly that's what we need uh, at this stage. And uh, their chair, uh, we are engaging with them. They are seeming to be warming up to the idea. They have asked us to show them uh, a plan. If we had the 184, what exactly would we do? And we have given them the initial response to it and showed them uh, the type of things we can do. We want to buy technology and we want to get uh, uh, systems that will work for us. Uh, uh, vehicle testing uh, stations, uh, roadside ones. Uh, body cams, uh, new uh, uh, satellite uh, uh, tracking and sp speeding systems that we can use uh, in this regard. So we will want to use the 184 for for such, and we have given them the plan for it. We are still to finalize with them. Uh, in fact, uh, tomorrow we are having another round of their negotiations with them to finalize on these issues. Uh, and we will know by tomorrow what is approved and what is not. But as it appears, this is where we are. We most likely, the only thing we may not have is that, is that 13 million chair, which brings us to the end of the uh, briefing and presentation. Thank you, chair. Director General, thank you. Honorable members, there is a briefing. Um, let me, uh, Honorable Han Singer, Honorable McDonald, uh, can I see any other hands? Honorable uh, Mike. Oh, hey, hey. Honorable Tami, I can see. Honorable Tami Mapena, I'm now clued up, my brother. You can't. Uh, Honorable May and Honorable Tami uh, Mapena. And uh, yes, technology or, or uh, an old way. 
Are these the only hands? Honorable Ramadwa, you must not come at the end. Are you here? Are you fine? Yes, now I'm fine. Unfortunately, I joined late. I didn't hear the presentation. I was struggling the, the whole hour. Yeah, now you must talk to the DM about your your, your network issues of Limpopo. Um, okay, thank you very much. Let's start. Uh, I only have four hands. Um, that is Honorable Hansinger, Honorable McDonald, Honorable May, and Honorable Tamima Ben. Uh, let's start. Uh, thank you very much, Chair, and good morning, uh, everyone, and especially to Deputy Minister Mahatsi, also to the DG and staff, and thank you for the presentation, um, DG. Um, I am extremely excited about what you mentioned right at the end, and that are the plans around the Arrive Alive campaign um, to really focus and revive this. And um, from my side, I can just encourage you around that because it's a really uh, a positive sign. Um, on a lighter note, I would also suggest of the 64 billion rand that um, we consider increasing the DG's um, airtime because uh, still he hasn't answered any of my WhatsApps, which I've sent to him. Uh, so <laughs> we could maybe look at that. But to get to the more serious part, um, uh, I would like to know, DG, the suspension of funds in Nelson Mandela Bay due, due to a compliance issue are now in a big way through this um, application of this section um, 216, um, depriving commuters of a very important service. And whether there isn't another way of dealing with such matters, since surely one can distinguish in terms of meeting compliance, uh, you know, with the practical effect of uh, holding back on a service. Um, and that we should probably deal with it in a different way, but I'm not aware or sure of, you know, your restrictions in terms of how you need to address this thing that it's referred to a particular section. Um, okay, my next um, uh, point is um, around the BRT stations um, and the BRT services that we have in the 13 cities, which was listed now, and the budget expenditures were mentioned, you know, in a table that was presented to us. But really, we've been dealing with this for a number of years, and I can immediately recall, uh, you know, that over 40 billion rands has been spent on BRT amongst these 13 cities in you know, in the past, as I said, 12 years. But we haven't had a proper update. And can I please request, as an extension of this evaluation of the budget, that we as a committee consider a specific report to get an overview of the actual expenditure to date in each of the cities um, since the introduction of BRT in each of the 13 cities but that we also have a particular column which reflects the actual stations built and the actual buses running and also the number of permanent staff that have been deployed. So only those four criteria um, in a division of how this 40 billion rand was spent in the past 12 or 13 years. Chair, then around PRASA, um, I've, received, um, I've received reports 
that security companies have not been paid. And that, that is the main reason why we now in 96 days from lockdown till the expected time, the 1st of July, when we would see any trains moving, that the absence of payment to security guards led to the huge vandalization which one could observe and see, which is also, you know, showed in Facebook all over. Um, so surely there must be an explanation, and I would like the reaction of the DG on these allegations of security companies not being paid, and that that would be the reason for this huge vandalization that we've seen in that only about 162 kilometers of rail is now planned to reopen after 2,228 kilometers, which Prasa has under their control. So if we could just have some indication of that, and with that, um, I would um, end my questions. Thank you, Chairperson. Let's hear the, the next voice, uh, Honorable McDonald. Thank you, Chair. Um, good morning, colleagues. Um, thank you for your presentation, DG. Good morning, Deputy Minister. Um, I have a couple of questions and a couple of remarks. Firstly, um, a job well done on the savior, savings made by the for the watchkeeping services. Um, it's really heartwarming to see that um, the department has done everything possible to save uh, 50 plus million rand to the for the for the department, and this will go a long way in uh, alleviating um, certain problems in the department. Then um, on the IPTNs in Mongol, and you know that's very close to my heart. Um, more than 400 million has been spent in the last year and close to over 100 million in the last quarter. Ten buses were bought for 55 million rand and not a single bus is, go is moving in Mongong. Um, this can't be right, DG. Um, there must be some way that we can somehow stop this looting or whatever is happening there because the, the poorest of the poor, the reason we bring this IPTN system to the to the Kasi and to the places where the, where the masses live, that's the reason why we're spending this money, but nothing is happening. There's just trenches being dug and not, there's not a single bus running. And we've spent millions, and if not billions, in Mangaung, just as an example. Then on the, the rail, um, I see that... Um, on the rail services, 100% of the budget has been spent in the last year. But it doesn't equate to any service delivery to the poor. There's not a single service delivery to the poor. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense. And then, on, and I, I, would, I think I would want to push this issue and maybe start with a discussion that whenever the department presents an expenditure to us with specifically goods and services, that it be broken down into the sectors that they've bought it from. Is this benefiting the, the poorest of the poor, the small black companies that are trying to break into those uh, sectors? Are, are we spending money there or are we just giving it to the big white monopoly capital businesses just to continue looting this country further? 
thank you very much, Jay. Um, thank you, Chairperson, colleagues, DG and Deputy Minister. I would like to ask a question about the Telcom tender. How is it possible when you tender for 150 million and later reduce it to 50 million? I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. How is it possible? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Akbar Lede. Let me take. Um, what what is that end for uh, honorable lansing um sorry chair i was just indicating that i have one small question which i beg your indulgence for to also allow thank you chair okay i will allow i will allow thank uh, you thank you yeah. chair i appreciate it uh, just a question um uh, dg on the very months uh, i noticed a um over two billion rand. Hey man, I, you see now, <laughs> this, this case and people now, you see what they are doing in our meeting. All right, uh, I think. Thank yeah, you, no, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Uh, just for the DG to please reply, um, I noticed a two billion rand variant. Um, which was taken away from the allocated budget for refurbishment of coaches in um, specifically Metro Rail. And that, that two billion rand uh, apparently was spent and used for uh, settlement of electricity bills and also the settlement of particular court cases which relates to the, the dismissal of employees. Now, surely uh, it should be a standard expenditure item to pay electricity uh, accounts. So could you then please elaborate on um, this court uh, judgment and the two billion rand that was taken from a budget allocation to refurbish Metro Rail coaches um, to settle uh, something else? So could you explain what that something else was? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Hansinger. Um, uh, Master Wose, Mfonishwa, Tami Mapena. Thank you so much, Chairperson. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Mangu must not play with uh, with his balsam, man. He uh, must not do that. <laughs> anyway, um, Chair, thank you so much. But I think there is a concern here. I think as much as we appreciate the fact that we are in an era where unfortunately we have to um, conduct our business contactless um, the issue of underspending as far as vacancies is concerned um, across uh, multiple uh, programs of the department is not an issue that we're experiencing now during COVID-19 and obviously with COVID-19 uh, might have uh, worsened the situation but I think it's one of the issues that we've been decrying ever since I, I arrived in the committee. <clears throat> um, so it is, it is, it is, uh, and it's scary to know um, I don't know how to translate that, but <clears throat> it's an issue which has been ongoing. And yes, unfortunately, people cannot travel now and come to interviews. And one perhaps should appreciate the fact that there was interviews which were scheduled. 
unfortunately, people could not uh, proceed. But to be quite honest with you, it's an issue which has been persisting consistently, um, and of which is not and, and of which is not correct, and it needs to be it needs to be um, rectified because I see it's an issue which keeps on recurring around um, in, in in three of the seven programs of the <clears throat> of the department. On the issue of the arrival alive um, of <clears throat> 184 million rands, um, there's just one concern there. <clears throat> Is the DG saying that they're going to take the money which was allocated for taxi recap because of the slow uptake on the taxi industry for using um, that budget allocation, and they're going to reprioritize it and use it for an arrival alive campaign? Or did or they miss something there, or is it what the DG was actually saying? To say that they're going to take the money which was intended um, to subsidize taxes. Yes, they're subsidizing um, a vehicle, 30% of the total cost of the vehicle, but it's something. So if at all that is the case, I believe it's a mistake, and it shouldn't, uh, it shouldn't even um, be something that needs to be considered. Uh, because... <clears throat> There, there are a lot of death traps which are all over the place on our roads. And I, and I think a better engagement and an improved engagement with the taxi industry needs to be used um, um, in, this, in, this, in this approach. Uh, perhaps one, one of the issues is this. <clears throat> if a person wants to go and buy a taxi, when they get a loan for them to buy a taxi, um, they can't get a loan anywhere else at a dealership because that person would need to come with a permit. And currently, the department is not giving um, people those permits. If what they issue you with is, is a receipt that you've paid, you've applied for a permit. And therefore, they want an affiliation, a membership of a taxi association and a permit so that you can be given a taxi. So the only people that are willing to risk it all and give the taxi industry um, um, finance is, is is your taxi finance, uh, of which they give them at exorbitantly high interest. So as a result, you find that the taxi industry is telling you that it is unaffordable for them to be having um, 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 or to be able to afford to buy new things, and they see the contribution as being insignificant, that 120,000 rents, of which constitutes 30 percent of the contract. So I think those are some of the issues which the department should come to the party with. One, ensure that um, anyone or any taxi owner or anyone that wanted to buy a taxi that still has a receipt or an indication that they applied for a permit, that they get those permits onto their hands, because the further continuation and the delay of those people not accessing those permits um, is, 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 is a problem. I can give an example with myself. I was raised by uh, Texas. There were Texas at home. There are still Texas at home. But the one company that we have, still we have a receipt. There's no permit. You you go and go and go to the department. There's nothing that they, that they can do for you. And they tell you that you need to wait and wait and wait. You're waiting for something which you don't know what what you're waiting for. Lastly, on the PTNGs, um, Public Transport Network Grant, Section 216, Subsection 2 of the Constitution says it empowers the National Treasury to stop the transfer of funding to any municipality which they deem that there's been persistent breach of financial management prescripts and also alleged mismanagement of funds. 
You see, when we started uh, as a committee, we said the department, what are you doing to engage with these municipalities? Um, uh, Mangaung was cited. Uh, McDonald um, has just mentioned Mangaung. Um, Nelson Mandela Bay is one of them. And the department told us and said we're having engagements with them. What has come out? What has been the outcome of those engagements? And also, the DG did not mention <clears throat> what is it that they did exactly. His was just said the National Treasury has invoked 26 subsection 2. And if you read it, it tells you about the persistent breach of financial management cases. But what is it that has just happened? In Mangaung, there was a situation they spent 282 million rand, and a bulk of it was for consultants. Um, and there was one uh, station which was constructed which collapsed. But in Nassau Manila Bay, what happened? Because there's still no buses on the road, and you've stopped the transfers. And what has come out of the engagement that the department has had with these municipalities? Are they being monitored? Are they given any any support whatsoever which will ensure, because remember, colleagues, the objective here is not only to punish those municipalities which are inefficient, but the objective is, at the end of the day, we want buses on the, on, on, on the road so that people can actually get from point A to point B in a cost-effective manner. Office transport is an economic um, uh, key driver within our, our economy. So it's not not a matter of just punishing business, but what is it that you are doing? We've asked previously, you said you've had engagement. What is the outcome? Now that you're invoking a section, yes, we support you. We will never, on any given day, support a situation where funds are squandered. We support you in the, when you when the National Treasury invokes Section 216. But what is the outcome? What is it what, that you are trying to achieve here? Chair, <coughs> uh, I, think, I think I will end there. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Mapena. Um, now, Molam uh, Sabuam, are you back now? No, 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 no. You are talking on your phone. You are not Pagamissing. You are going to say, How are you? No, I'm fine. Say something. Thank you very much for, for, for the presentation. My mindset is, and um, I I want to to start to to start where Honorable Apena finished because I'm worried about this uh, shifting of, of of money from uh, from uh, public transport tax recap to to alive to to alive alive. So what I want to find out if they can if they can give us the details of the failure or the success of alive alive because that program is have. We have the program for a long time, but there's no success on, on the program. And the other chairperson is that one of the underspending. If you check chairperson on the program too, integrated transport uh, planning, the the, the budget was 150. The budget was 153 million point two, but the spending was 64 64.1 million. It shows that there is no actually planning for for, for 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 spending because if you target you, you must spend according to what what you have targeted for and the other chairperson which 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 caused me some 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 concern chairperson is that one of the of, of program one 
if you check program one on the appointment of service provider for the, for, for the forensic auditors, they understand that, but they, they, there is no, no, no mentions what are they going to do because it seems that there's a lot of money that has not been there spend and the other chairperson is that one of the vacants if they can give us the time frame when are they going to fill up those special senior posts because we cannot say we we, we because we see corona 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 into a manger how are they going to spend and how what what plan have they gotten in place now and the other chairperson the the last one is that one of the of issue of san taco if they say they have been delayed because there, there was some resistance from the san taco so now i want to find out how far are they now because they cannot say it's, it's because of san taco san taco san taco is an organization they must give us the report but what is the the hindrances that cause them to, 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 to resist. Thank you very much, Chairperson. <clears throat> okay. Maybe let me say before I give the DG, because I've exhausted the hands, um, I would suggest DG, uh, when it comes to issues of vacancies, that maybe we must look into a mechanism of saying, this financial year, the practicalities of our situation as the department will enable us to fill two or three percent of vacancies and, and budget accordingly to that kind of a situation. Because I think what uh, the committee is saying is that uh, if the department was going to be able to budget for from 10 to 8 percent or 7 percent, we, we could, in a sense, have predicted that we are not going to be able to fill in all the vacancies that we have and don't pack money there in, 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 in uh, um, the space of employees when we know we are not going to be able to fill all the vacancies. Um, I think the issue, um, I would agree with the members on the issue of taxi recapitalization. Part of the reason why we have this program, it is because of the panel vents that we still need to talk about as a report and uh, taking it from that angle and maybe getting a report of course from Santago, is it fair that the, the taxi association, the taxi industry must be the only one that takes the knock from the subsidy? When panel vents came not because of them, uh, I think uh, we we may want to de debate that further. Otherwise, uh, I'm also covered by. Oh, the last issue, <clears throat> maybe when time permitting, 
we may want to check in terms of the grants that goes to the provinces. What percentage goes to the previously disadvantaged areas, if any? If not, why? What percentage goes to uh, maintain and repair the rural roads, farming roads, where we get our food from? Um, I would want to have such kind of a, a report. And of course, we must say that um, taking into consideration that uh, we couldn't plan for COVID-19, uh, but it must not be a norm that uh, this is the department that always applies for rollovers. The fact that we are applying for rollovers, it means things are not okay and we must fix those things. We may allow some rollovers because of COVID-19, uh, but it should not be a, a recurring situation. Um, Honorable Deputy Minister, over to you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I will just uh, hand over directly to the Director General to respond to uh, the questions that have been uh, uh, asked. Thank you. Let's see the face of the Director General. It means the Director General directs generally on all our programs, even in the provinces. That's, that's my understanding if they say Director General. Thank you, Honorable Alec Miemi. Over to you, sir. Chair, thank you very much. And uh, I duly welcome the promotion. Uh, and I accept the new powers uh, granted by the August House of Parliament on the Office of the Director General uh, to be able also to administer the affairs of provinces. I'm, I'm happy, Chair. Uh, let, let no one henceforth uh, complain here yeah, after I'm, go I'm going to share the record of the meeting with, chair with the provinces that have been granted other powers. That's on a later note, Chair, but uh, thank you very much. Let me welcome the questions and uh, to respond to them. Uh, chair, let me deal with the last issue raised because it, it uh, ties up... Uh, with what uh, Honorable Hans Singer raised, and uh, also what uh, uh, Honorable Sitole uh, has raised in this regard. Uh, our intent, Chair, is not to, uh, this what we are indicating here is not budget reprioritization, it's not taking money away from something and then uh, giving it for another purpose. Uh, the law requires that uh, funds that are unspent at the end of the financial year, those funds, as a general rule, they've got to be surrendered uh, to the National Revenue Fund. So if effectively the sector and the department loses those funds completely, they are surrendered back to the Treasury. The Treasury will see how to finish with that money for the next financial year. Now, the only mechanism 
of retaining those funds that is available in law is a rollover application. And there are requirements uh, for you to meet up with that uh, amongst uh, key that you show that uh, either it's an unforeseen thing, such as our request for COVID, or secondly, that uh, the objectives uh, for what you want to keep the money for are related, such as our application for the satellite communication system for SAMSA. Uh, it ties in with the watchkeeping services, which is the actual physical infrastructure, not necessarily the data for which you pay telecom. And then uh, also that uh, you may have committed uh, yourself to paying those things uh, before the financial year ended, and only that uh, you would uh, complete post-financial year and you will need to pay for that. So those are the requirements for you to be able to meet up with the application for a rollover so that the money is not lost because failure to submit the rollover application by the cutoff date then the money is automatically forfeited. You would be required by law uh, at the end of the financial year, 14 days thereafter to surrender it straight to the National Revenue Fund. Now this is money naturally which have been, would have been forfeited. Now instead of forfeiting it, we are now proposing to the Treasury to say, can you please allow us rather than surrendering it back for us to use it for this other key objective uh, because we couldn't use it for the original objective intended uh, in this regard or rather you may still even use it for the original intended objective if you can prove that commitments were there in place and you could do it so in the case of tax recap we would have had to prove that uh, there were applications on hand already which we were considering and we were processing. But of all those applications, we had pro processed them uh, speedily before the end of the financial year and we had already dispensed with it. And that's why you saw the spike uh, in the last two months of the financial year with payments uh, for the tax recap. But right through the financial year, it has been quite slow going. We had been negotiating with uh, Santaco since August last year, since Minister launched the taxi recap again, second round. We have been in negotiations with them, addressing their concerns and so on. And if uh, the uh, Sitole uh, raises the matter uh, of how far we are with the taxi industry and Santaco, uh, like I've indicated in that main presentation as I spoke, that we have found each other with them now. And that's why the last two months saw a, a huge spike uh, in applications and then people coming forward. So that's where we are, Chair. We were not necessarily predetermining to, uh, by this process of rollover, moving away money from one area or rather targeting only a tax recap to take a knock and leaving the rest of the other things. Uh, I may, Chair, perhaps uh, with your indulgence uh, at a date to be determined by yourselves, come back to make a presentation on the reprioritization of the budget. Because right now, uh, the whole of government is being forced to reprioritize, and we are working on that. And maybe we can use the opportunity when we are going to make the presentation on COVID uh, to also do a reprioritization exercise and show you what the impact of COVID has been and what then we are doing in return. 
because that's where you would see that not just taxi recap, but all of the grants are affected uh, by the reprioritization exercise. And uh, there we are looking at money in originally intended for this purpose, now they are being done for that. So this process of rollover must not be conflated with that other one. Uh, that one we will bring uh, into being and the bigger picture would be seen about uh, doing about it. On the issue of the grants to provinces and uh, uh, the breakdown, uh, okay, Chair, we are curtailed, as you may know, uh, because uh, the leader of government business, the National Treasury, and the reporting departments, uh, including DPSA as well as DPME, have met with the presiding officers of parliament and have agreed on the type of uh, formats. All of us in government were straightjacketed by the same template that we are told that the quarterly reports to parliament have got to fit in within that. And as you can see, irrespective of which department comes before this, the structure of the presentations and the nature of the things covered in there are prescribed. So as a result, we follow that unless the committee specifically wants us to deviate and wants us to do something else. But as a standard practice, when we prepare quarterly is going to come in exactly that same format, which is a format approved by Parliament and uh, by the uh, presiding departments, including presidency, uh, over all of us on what we need to do. And, and I think that uh, the manner in which we report uh, shouldn't appear as if uh, it's intended to conceal information or not to provide information. It is in the nature of the committees and parliament itself and even members in, in their individual capacity. If they require more information or anything, they put up uh, parliamentary questions, they put that. Uh, the committee itself may request a specific report as what Honorable Hansinger raises that there should be a specific report on BRT and that needs to be presented as such. And certainly we, we the department, will oblige and uh, provide uh, such exception reports as and when, and we will bring them as a separate report to the normal template in which we report. So, so, so I think let it be that way, and I, I would request that uh, uh, Honorable McDonald's please uh, that, that is the constraint we are sitting with uh, in as far as the reporting process. But if specific reports are requested of us, uh, in addition to the reporting template, we, we will then provide uh, such uh, additional information and report and the breakdowns that the chair say he may require an analysis on the budget. I, I must immediately also address that matter, chair, because uh, I know previously Honorable Manu had cautioned on us encroaching onto the powers of other spheres of government. Now, we, we can set the conditions for transferring money, but we don't essentially decide for provinces as to where and where they must spend the money. So it's, 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 it's quite a, a dicey situation. It's something we can engage with and we can look at, but, but in truth, we do not necessarily go that far, Chair, as the Chair raises the matter, uh, that uh, how much of it. We can source the information from provinces and do an analysis and report back to you and say uh, and ask provinces to say, where have you, how have you spent it? Can you give us uh, guidance in terms of this uh, arrangement and can you report? Because even our provinces, all of them report back to us. The templates are also prescribed by the Treasury in how they must uh, 
give the information required back. So the, the, there's that balance we, we've got to achieve. But yes, certainly we will we will source the information that has been required uh, uh, in this regard. How much power must we have uh, to be able to say to the provinces, you shall, you shall, you shall. Uh, I think that the spirit of our intergovernmental relation was never designed <laughs> in that way. And provinces, particularly the provincial uh, political leaders, tend to frown a lot uh, uh, on such what they perceive as interference and encroachment onto their sphere. And I think the healthy balance there is important in this regard. I now wish to move to also in the same breath cover the issue of section 216 uh, as raised by Honorable Mabena uh, in this regard. Uh, uh, Honorable Mabena, I can assure you that it is no intention of anybody in our department to punish anyone. Uh, if uh, indeed we were in that mode, uh, uh, I think by now there will be blood on the floor. Uh, we, we are no, nowhere near uh, such a mode. Uh, uh, we have indicated that we are engaging with the municipalities. We have been in engagement and uh, we have been talking to them. And as I've just indicated, it's not easy to easily then encroach onto the sphere of another government. And where things uh, the Treasury presumes that they are quite tough, then the Treasury tends to invoke Section 216. So in case, uh, you are saying we don't say exactly what happened, but what we can tell you was that Section 216 for that municipal was not invoked specifically for the BRT program. It was the other issues of that municipality and how it manages money. But if you know, uh, PFMA itself, when it comes to the responsibilities of the uh, transferring officer, and this now is covered from Section 38 until 41 of the PFMA. And if you read at those things, including the accompanying regulations generously, you get to see the responsibilities of the accounting officer, as in Section 38IJ, which uh, says to you that uh, uh, the person transferring uh, must uh, ensure himself that the institution is transferring to has all the systems in place to manage that money well. So it can be that the Treasury raises 216 and say, these people have had so many financial breaches that it warrants us to raise in 216. And then the Department of Transport is informed of that 216. And then it becomes oblivious to 216 and continues transferring. Automatically, when Treasury raises 216 with us, we have no choice but to act prudently and to stop the transfers, irrespective of whether the 216 was raised on the object of the spending on our own funds or on the other funds of the municipality per se. But if there is that breach that that entity you are going to transfer to doesn't have systems and controls and everything in place to manage the money well, then as a accounting officer, you are already acting irresponsibly by transferring money to such an entity because as such, the regulations prevent from it happening. And I think that answers also Honorable Hans Singer of uh, asking, is there another way in which we can uh, work with Nelson Mandela because the service then is withdrawn and uh, people are suffering? Of course, we are cognizant of that, but then the responsibility constitutionally of providing those services sits with the municipality. 
which in the first instance should never have put itself in a position where it has so many financial breaches that 216 is raised. So, so I think that the, if there's to be apportionment of blame, it should go squarely uh, at the doors of those responsible for, for that. Uh, we ourselves do not manage the finances of that municipality and would not know what they do with their either equitable share or money raised from their rates or whatever the case might be. But but if 216 is raised, honestly, our hands become curtailed until 216 gets raised. And are we the right party to, to go try resolve the 216 matters of uh, Nelson Mandela? No, certainly we are not. Uh, COCTA is a department established purely to look at uh, and oversee the affairs of uh, municipalities. Is the one that must go support. Would we have had a role to play if uh, the 216 was raised in respect of our own money for BRT, certainly yes. That then, because uh, as a transferring officer, you could put conditions and you can also provide support for your own money, we could have done so. But unfortunately, 216 was raised. And when 216 is raised, uh, it shuts that door, even of us saying, we can give you money, we realize you don't have capacity, but we can give you money with capacity uh, so that you spend it well and so forth. But I think that window for now it's a bit closed uh what are we doing with uh Mangaung? well truth be told Mangaung is not placed under 216 uh, irrespective of uh, all what we have seen we have seen glaring weaknesses yes we have seen expenditure happening uh are we well we can make our own value judgment about whether that we see value for money or not uh, and i think that's a totally different ball game vis-a-vis uh, -vis the responsibilities of the Auditor General to audit such books and to see whether there is something untoward on the expenditure or not. But uh, certainly with our concerns, with seeing expenditure flowing and yet little movement on the project itself, uh, in our engagement... Um, in our, oh. Okay, DG. Honorable members, Mute your microphones um, so that we allow DG to respond unhindered. Please. Thank you. You can go on, DG. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, so, certainly, that, that, that's, that's what it is, uh, Chair, about Mangaun and uh, we have in our engagement letter now as the AG to say among the things that they need to do and to follow is also to look closely at the money we have transferred to Mangaung and that the auditors of the AG auditing Mangaung can also pay attention to that aspect and give us assurance that there is nothing untoward. Should, should AG raise serious queries, we are obligated by law to follow certain processes and so forth. And I think we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. What was the purpose and outcomes of our engagement with these municipalities? Uh, first was to try and understand uh, exactly where the blockages are. We have met and rounded up all of them without fail. We have been having meetings with uh, Go George to try to resolve the impasse with the taxi people and uh, uh, phase 2, 1B. We have also been engaging with the city of Cape Town on the N2 and the unhappiness of uh, the taxi people uh, in that part and the discontinuation of one of the routes. We have been uh, talking to 
Durban uh, about the finalization of the infrastructure program and the luggages that are there. We have visited Rustenburg with their collapse stations and every other thing and the challenges they are sitting with of uh, running short of money and with no running stock. We have been trying to facilitate a deal between them and Cape Town uh, to buy excess buses there uh, so that the service can be fast-tracked. We have been meeting with Polugan. I can run them, all of them, but now, as I've indicated, our negotiations and engagements with these cities is no longer at that level of simply understanding what exactly is the problem. We are now at a stage where we are saying we are asking for them individually to voluntarily participate in the scheme we are putting up of providing capacity and support. Uh, that may be interpreted as somewhat a curtailment of their own rights, uh, because if you take over project management functions when they are entitled to be the ones who do that service, uh, then that's where you may see a specific challenge with it. And to that extent, uh, the outcomes are mixed. Uh, they are like this. Rustenberg had asked for uh, our process and they have asked for our support and they are voluntarily engaging us to say, please intervene on our behalf and facilitate for us with Cape Town to troubleshoot some of the problems. Uh, others uh, are resisting uh, uh, the support and they don't want uh, to immediately do that. But when we do uh, the BRT report that Honorable Hansinger say, perhaps we must do, perhaps we can do that and break down project by project uh, of the, all the cities and indicate which one is having what problems and what is the engagement uh, and how far they are on each and every one because they are not on the same wavelength. They are at different layers and at different uh, uh, parts. Can I now address the issue uh, of uh, what is raised by Honorable McDonald about the rail and the link there that there is no service delivery but we have spent 100% of the budget. I think the large part of for the budget and the portion of our budget in rail is on transfers. And these are transfers largely to Prasa and to the RSR. Now, in as far as uh, the transfers to Prasa are concerned, Prasa is a Schedule 3B uh, entity, and which means that by the financial arrangements of 3Bs, it can retain the money that uh, is being given, and it is not forced uh, at the end of a financial year, unlike the department, to surrender the money back to the national fiscus. So with that in place, we on our budget we will reflect 100% expenditure once we have transferred the money to Brasa. But then what Brasa does with the money and how fast he spends it uh, becomes the key issue, and which is what we must look into. And I take it that the committee, when it engages with Prasa, they have seen the age analysis of their books and they've seen what happens there. There is a time Prasa was sitting on 18 billion rands in CAPEX, uh, capital expenditure budget, and uh, which has accumulated over a few years, and which means that their capital expenditure program was not moving. Money is coming in. On our side, it's reflected as 100%, but on the side of Prasa, they are sitting with that uh, money. Uh, as a consequence thereof, one of the key mandates we gave to the administrator was to troubleshoot, bring capacity in, and also make sure that uh, proper specific, it's also pointless moving with speed to buy things that you don't really need and to buy wrong things, uh, to buy 12 trains, to do this and that and so forth. So the bottom line is that if this is to be done, it must be done properly.
and even some of the irritations on the books of Prasa. Uh, I'll give you an example, Chair. They are sitting with capital expenditure this week, and it is not moving. But some of the basic things they require uh, to get the trains repaired and to move, like the train wheels. Uh, in some institutions, a computer worth uh, 17,000 and a server worth maybe 20,000 are considered uh, hardware and therefore capital uh, assets and they are capitalized. But with Prasa, you can imagine uh, how much the boogies and the train wheels uh, are worth. But for Brasa, in terms of their own accounting arrangements, they say that is a consumable because the wheels run, run, run and finish and you throw them and you replace them. They take it like a toner of a machine. The photocopier itself is a capital asset, but the toner you put in and operates to uh, produce ink for what you are photocopying is consumable. And when it finishes, you pull it out and throw it away and put in another one. So, but if you look at the cost of the boogies itself, they are quite sizable. You run into a few millions. Uh, it's a lot of money for you to actually not capitalize that. You, if you capitalize it overnight, you've got enough money uh, to actually replace wheels and buy wheels. But now you have a huge problem of cash flow. You are having a porous corridors and people who don't pay and almost 90% of the people who get on the train are not paying for the tickets and so on and you have no system of actually forcing them to pay. So you're not collecting any revenue, you are running a service and you only rely on the subsidy that you have and you don't make any money and as a 3B because they are not a 3A which must actually just uh, use what they have and that's it. They are a 3B, they have got to raise portion from the public and the, in trade and they've also have got to use a portion in subsidy to make the system work. Right now, the money for subsidy is quite is heavy and uh, it's overloaded. They've got to provide this service, but this service is not sustainable. And yet on the other side, they are sitting with a huge pool of money that is not being spent. And as a result, they quickly run into problems on cash flow. Uh, they can't pay now uh, uh, services to the municipalities where the stations are. They can't pay water. They can't pay electricity to ESCOM. They can't pay this. They can't pay that. And with that in mind, and they also can't pay for these things called consumables, and therefore they've got a shortage of carriages. Uh, so in time, they run into serious, serious problems. This this has been building up for in excess of about five years. And with the build-up of all of that, where has uh, it left Prasa? In a very, very precarious situation where it is sitting with huge money on CAPEX and very little money or no money at all uh, uh, on OPEX. So Treasury says the best way of helping them because they don't have money for services and for everything, uh, reduce a little bit this side and give it to them this side so that uh, you can prop them up to pay for what they require but then in the meantime, work on a long-term plan and show us what will it take until this scenario gets somewhere where there is a balance and they, this side, they can pay for everything that they have. And the secret to this is on corridor protection and revenue protection. And that is why you see the strategy has been changed. And we are starting with the two main lines that carries the most passengers, the central line in the Cape 
and Mabopani to Pretoria in Gauteng. Then we're going to follow with Soweto uh, line, uh, which also carries many people, and uh, the Jimistan Lerala line. And then we're going to do also Centurion, because those carries huge numbers uh, of people per day. And if we were to protect revenue on those corridors, we will up revenue collection of Prasa from now the mega 8% to... Uh, almost 40% uh, with just those lights. Then if we protect all of the rest of the corridors, then they should be able to collect 100% of the revenue and no one must be able to stand on a platform without having gotten a ticket and having paid. And and so that, that explains uh, why the environment of $2 billion uh, was made, uh, uh, Honorable Hansing, it was made with the approval and with the engagement with the Treasury and the Treasury offered that as a solution instead of topping up uh, more money for operations it then said that there must be this uh, in-house uh, uh, cross-subsidization and the understanding was that although treasury is moving the two billion now to this side uh, brasa will not be able to spend all of that money in the next two years and they then said in the medium term in the outer year they would then begin to pack back and replace back uh, uh, the the money that they have cross-subsidized to the other side. Now it brings me to the issue of vacancies. Uh, uh, I think we are the first ones to accept that, that uh, this has been long, but we had indeed taken to heart uh, the last comments or the last quarter of uh, uh, our engagements when we discussed quarter three uh, with the committee. The committee impressed upon us to move uh, with speed and immediately and we did exactly that. Uh, we then shortlisted, we then scheduled dates for interviews, we constituted panels, and we were ready. And we had been moving. And I must also ask them that some of the vacancies at a lower level, uh, we had already filled some. In finance, we had filled vacancies, and so on. That's why I could tell you that we had moved from the 10% to 8% already before the lockdown happened. We are in no way using the lockdown as an excuse to say that we do acknowledge that the vacancies have been open for long. But at the third quarter engagement uh, with yourselves, uh, the committee decried this matter, raised serious concerns and said to us, uh, we have to move with speed. And indeed, the evidence is there that immediately thereafter, we had taken the call of the committee to heart and we had began. Uh, we were moving uh, until the lockdown occurred. So. So in no way, uh, Honorable Ketamavala, are we hiding behind a finger? Uh, it's not our intent at all. Uh, we were simply highlighting, and uh, as I've indicated, we are now committed to, have already applied actually to DPSA, to ask that some of the requirements be waived so that we can do the interviews online uh, on platforms like this, and that we can interview candidates and then we can proceed uh, with filling the critical vacancies. Another issue I need to highlight uh, was the issue that uh, we were also delayed by a month or so when DPSA on the National Macro Organization of Government, we were told that we must wait for the supernumeracy list uh, to be finalized of employees in the departments that were being matched and which effectively from 1 April, uh, those departments were to become one and that we needed to look at whether some of the people on those lists can be incorporated into 
the people we require before we actually can go out and advertise. So there are still intra-governmental and at first discussions about that supernumeracy list and there are concerns obviously by other departments taking people from another department and they are asking why those departments don't want them and there is all of this thing, the toing and froing. But we, we had been uh, indicating that uh, we will not find a DDG with rail expertise from any other of the departments as an example. We, we have to be allowed to, to move ahead with our own process irrespective of uh, what is there. Obviously there will be common positions like DDG corporate services, uh, which uh, all other departments may have had uh, co DDG corporate services, and they find themselves now with two. They have merged, they have become one, and one is supernumerated and must be moved to elsewhere. So on the ones that we felt they will totally be unaffected, we had indeed uh, uh, asked that we be allowed to move with speed on those ones. Uh, Chair, I believe I've captured, okay, the question by Honorable May. How is it possible that uh, one tenders for 150 million and then reduce it to 50 million rate later? Uh, as I've indicated, Chair, this was not a tender. Uh, Telcom has a monopoly of this thing uh, right now as we speak. They are the only ones who have the infrastructure and also they are the only ones who have the data and cables that are moving and linking all of our uh, 64 lighthouses and uh, all of this. So they are the only, they are a monopoly. You can only talk to them. But I think that uh, over the years they had come and we were booed by uh, ICASAS uh, as well as uh, the Competition Commission's uh, own uh, inquiry, market inquiry into data costs. And we were reviewing that as well. And we used portions of their study on that to motivate our case and we also said uh, as part of the data must fall movement that uh, we've got there must be justification as to why we have to pay so much uh, for such a service uh, which is satellite based so 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 there was those negotiations and suit in earnest and we put a very strong case before telecom mm -hmm. it, it has just been a bilateral and treasury was fully briefed and aware about what we were doing so, so finally, logic prevailed uh, from the side of telecom. They, they had just said that the amount that was there must be increased by uh, the 9% escalation annually, and it must keep on growing and growing exponentially to what it is, and it was also compounded. So it was not just a, a lateral straight line linear increase. It was a compounded increase year on year. So we, we, we have challenged that, uh, the pricing model, and we have challenged all of that. And I think in the negotiations, we were quite clear that we are prepared to also lodge a complaint with the Competition Commission. Uh, but in typical economies, monopolies do that. Uh, that's They monopolize that, and the prices uh, go haywire. So, but nevertheless, uh, that's where we are. But uh, if the spectrum issue opens up and the policy opens up, then as you may know, the options will be quite varied. Uh, we will no longer just rely on telecom. There will be many other players uh, that can be able to compete and we can always take the best price. But uh, right now we think uh, in exchange for a three-year contract, uh, we have negotiated a good deal uh, and it saves us a lot of money overnight. And which leaves me to the, my parting shot, Chair. The issue indeed of... Uh, of uh, Roll over, chair. 
I know you had said that uh, rollovers are reflective that things are not okay. Uh, I agree with that, but not all the time. Uh, and I would say this, uh, uh, sometimes, yes, there are a reflection that things are not fine, particularly where there are no reasons why money shouldn't have been spent at the time it was supposed to have been spent and may just been taken along forward. But, for instance, rollovers may be a result of exactly the matter I'm highlighting now, of uh, the example of telecom, where, where it isn't a sign that uh, things are not okay, but where it is a sign that actually things are okay. Uh, and uh, you are now asking for indulgence to uh, reuse the money differently and to do other things. So so I think it's a, it's a healthy balance, really, on our case. And obviously, we don't intend to make it a usual thing, uh, and we don't want to be a department of rollovers. But where we see the opportunity, to really utilize the money for Arrival Life as an example, as a good program, uh, then we, we've got to do that because we can't underestimate the challenge of uh, road carnage in our country and the downstream effect it has uh, both on Sanral, on RAF Road Accident Fund, and on uh, the economy as a whole and the cost of uh, accidents and what they do, uh, on banking insurance industry and all of that. So. So all in all, and in fairness, uh, if we are using the opportunity for this purpose, then a rollover is a very good uh, intervention to or a mechanism to utilize. Thanks, Chair. Um, thank you, DG. Um, I think we must appreciate the fact that you were able to negotiate successfully the reduction, this is not a rollover, a reduction of that big amount um, and saving um, to this level. Um, maybe I should then take this opportunity to um, thank also the DM um, for the presentation and then move to the next item. The adoption of the report of the Portfolio Committee on Transport on the Budget Vote number 40, Transport and Strategic Plans 2021 um, of the Department of Transport and Entities reporting to the Minister of Transport. Um, I take it that um, the report is well read by honorable members, as it is our report. And um, like I've said, at this moment, we have to adopt the report. Let me allow members to do exactly that if there is no any other issue. Let me uh, let me see a hand. Any hand for adoption, honourable members, of our own report? Chair, honourable and uh, McDonald. Um, I move for the adoption of the report, Chair. 
Thank you, Honorable McDonald. Any second? Honorable Chairperson. Yes, Honorable. I second the adoption of the report. The report has been uh, adopted. Can we now move to the third item? Minutes of the 26th of May. Um, are we all there? Any correction? Any correction? Um, no correction. Let me see a mover for adoption. Oh, there's a there's a hand before. Okay, I'll come back to that hand, the DG, after the adoption. Let me see a mover for adoption of the minutes. Honorable uh, Will Mapena is moving. Any seconder? I'm not moving. I'm raising my hand to the item. To the item on the platform. Oh, okay, okay. Let me hear you, honourable member. Yeah, no, thanks, Chair. Uh, I think I'm having seen the. I'm sorry that we're on this item, and I think I should have, but I raised my hand virtually then. Um, the DG missed to answer um, one question from Honourable Hansinger. The issue of the fact that we are unable to get hold of him. Um, honorable it's difficult to track him down. Honorable Mapena, yes. we'll come back to that matter. The item on the table now is adoption of the minutes. Thank you. Any mover? Chair, I move for the adoption of the minutes of the previous meeting. Any second? Thank you, Honorable McDonald. Seconded by Honorable Keta Mabala. Thank you. Um, let's go back then to the hand, um, which is actually a normal. I must say, I've seen the hand of the DG. DG? Uh, chair, no, thank you. No, 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 Chair. <laughs> I, I realize you say it's an anomaly. I didn't want to participate in those proceedings. What, what, what I was uh, going to request was that uh, now that the matter that had to do with us was done, we were request to, I was to request back then that uh, we shouldn't be privy to the discussions of the committee, which should be in committee when it discusses its own minutes and... Uh, all the issues. I was going to request that we be excused in advance uh, uh, before you could go down that road, but unfortunately, it has already occurred, and uh, we were party to it and listened uh, as the minutes were being adopted and done. Uh, so, so I wasn't in any way trying to raise or participate okay. in those uh, issues. That's all I wanted to raise, but if the chair uh, it's also an anomaly once we have passed uh, on those matters, but if you require me to answer the issue that says I'm unavailable, uh, I'm, I'm prepared to answer, Chair, but I'll take guidance from you. 
Yeah, well, um, maybe should, we should allow that um, because that was was one of the questions that were, were posed by on a lighter note by Honorable Hansing, and it is picked up now by uh, Honorable Mapena on a serious note. Yes, DJ. Thank you, Chair. The, uh, you, you, Chair, thank you for recapping it correctly because uh, I listened carefully and I heard that the Honorable Hansinger had said it was on a lighter note and it is for that reason I did not uh, bother in the jealousy of time to entertain it. However, uh, now that Honorable Mabana raises it as a serious matter, uh, then I think that uh, indeed certainly uh, it's something, uh, Chair, uh, that uh, we've got to deal with. Uh, first and foremost, Chair, uh, there are protocols of communications between ourselves uh, in the department and ministry and with the committee. And I think that those protocols have got to be respected, otherwise there's going to be challenges right across the way. Uh, Chair, you would imagine if I'm to be placed in an untenable situation where I would have to account to each and every single member of the committee as and when they consider it appropriate for me to account. And there's a reason why uh, we work through structures and we work through processes. And there's also a reason why, and I'm, I'm not in any way being disrespectful or trying to make myself too busy or otherwise, but there's a reason why I have support staff in my office to take records of uh, requests for meetings or for information or for engagements. And even in as far as this is concerned, I for one, I can tell you that uh, I'm not a man for social media and I'm not uh, on, uh, I'm, for a long time, I've not been on the WhatsApps and the what, I'm not on Twitter, I'm not on any of these things. There are people in the department in communications who I get and who should communicate on those platforms as part of our broader communication. I was only forced to join WhatsApp on the basis that uh, there is a group of DGs on COVID to exchange information and that. And that's the only reason I've been there. And at no stage between the engagement between government and uh, parliament has it been agreed that WhatsApp is a formal mode of communication in which we exchange information. It may be convenient, yes, but for some of us it's not convenient. When I open my WhatsApp every day, I find that I have at any time in excess of 150 messages. If I have to process each and every single one of them, outside of my PAs and everybody, and I have to process those things in that way, I'll never have time to work. And I'll have to answer each and every single thing in that way. And I think in many ways, that's an, a, quite an unfair expectation that, that daily I must wake up and process uh, WhatsApp messages or any other and things like that. And that they are not processed even through the chairperson of the committee. Uh, if they are to be processed in that way, then that's fine. I think. Uh, we, we can then agree on a framework within which we engage with each other. If the issue was that uh, I was written a letter uh, and I had forgotten to respond to it, then let's talk about that because correspondence is something that uh, formerly in our offices we are still working on and we deal with it and so forth. And there is context and there is that. And where information is also required, the framework of our engagement with Parliament still requires that parliamentary questions can be put across, which we need to, and we are obligated by law to respond to. And that is why even with parliamentary questions, they are not endless. There is a quota for each member, uh, considering that government too 
and government leaders must also be afforded the opportunity to focus on other things and to work on other stuff. So I, I think that that framework is important. Let's understand it. If it is raised sharply in the committee as an issue that uh, would want to paint one black, that uh, uh, they are actually unprofessional and unethical in not answering some of the things, then I think let's subject them to the formal processes and then in that way, we can engage with each other on formalities correctly on platforms of this nature, whether there is uh, responses or not. Thank you. Honorable uh, Mabena. Thank you very much, President. I think this issue, um, if, if you recall correctly, I think we had a meeting last week which lasted very I think it lasted uh, for a very short time. And I think the issue was raised by Honorable Chris Hansinger, not on a lighter note. I think he's just picked it up today that it's on a lighter note. But on that meeting last week, there was no, there was no, I think we had, we didn't have anyone from the department. I think there was Mr. Ramat or Ramat or something like that. But to be quite honest with you, it's, <clears throat> it's actually sad to hear what the TG is saying now. You are actually saying that members of parliament, when they have to communicate with you, we must do, we must go through endless uh, bureaucratic processes. What, what, actually, what are you saying? You know, we're operating in a space where there's multiple committees, there's, there's multiple portfolio committees, and we're not saving only on this uh, transport committee. We see the engagement between DGs and other members of parliament. What's so special about you that we cannot communicate with you? We cannot get hold of you on a simple, convenient uh, mode of communication. So you are saying that for me to, to communicate with you, I must write a formal letter, and, and it must go through parliamentary process. What, what are we saying when we are saying we want to make governance to be less bureaucratic? You know, you are putting stumbling blocks in here. The issue is simple communication convenience. Yes, <clears throat> listen were also on hundreds and hundreds on WhatsApp groups. You prioritize. If a member of parliament sends you a message on a WhatsApp, it means there's something that is important. I cannot send you a chain message eh, and say, good morning, G eh, eh, DG, God bless you. Or I cannot send you a message and say, no, there's a roadblock somewhere. There is a reason why we ought to communicate with you. If you say that we must do that, we must follow bureaucratic processes, chief, no. There, I must disagree with you completely. Your peers in other departments are communicating efficiently with other members. We serve on other committees. We communicate efficiently with DGs and DDGs, and they assist us when we're having challenges. We have been in the process of repatriation of, of people who were stuck overseas. Guess who we're communicating with? With DGs and DDGs from departments without having an appointment to call them. You send an SMS, you send a WhatsApp, they reply to you. Remember, there is no SMM. We are working on a common objective to save South Africans. You are an official in the Department of Transport. You are an accounting officer. You account to the committee. It must not be a situation that I must not get hold of you, and I must write a letter, and must go through bureaucratic processes. Your peers are working very well and excellently with members of parliament. It's so easy. <clears throat> I've called you many times. You've never picked up my, my phone call. You've never come back to me. We work with other committees. It's so easy to communicate. It's so seamless. What's so special about you and this department? Even worse, this department, you know, we are not operating optimally. Please don't do that. You are going to put 
like you're going to make issues so difficult for us to communicate with you. You know, please don't do it. Ask your colleagues if maybe you feel that you don't know how to manage it. When I wake up, I have 300 WhatsApp messages from all over, but you prioritize. You can't tell me I must go and ask someone in the comms department that I must communicate. Yes, you account to the department and the minister and, and the deputy minister, but we are members of parliament. You need this committee for us to approve your budget. You need this committee to process your legislation. We must be in a position to call you and say, listen, DG, I'm not combative, but this piece of legislation, there are these pitfalls. What do you think can be done in order for us to sidestep this and be in a position that we can accommodate you? We don't want confrontation, but simple access. Listen, we're in a meeting. It's it, we're allowed. Just say I can't take your call, or I'll reply to your message later. Even if you don't do that, but come back to the members of parliament. I mean, there's only 17 of us in this committee. We don't send you messages on a daily basis. If you can ask all these members here, how many of them have tried to contact you in the like in the last seven days? I can guarantee you, it could even not be a single one of them. So don't make it that it's a problem or it's an irritation whatsoever. Your peers in other departments are working very well and DTGs are working very well with members of parliament. Thank you, Chair. Members, let me deal with this matter and close it because it's actually, we are, we are, we are done with our, our agenda and um, you, you know that the, a, a, a small problem with this thing is that uh, uh, a member has communicated with the minister or or DG outside the meeting, outside the portfolio committee, and now the portfolio committee has to sit and deal with the issue of two people who communicated and the other one did not answer, the other one answered this way and that way. Uh, I think it will be unfair for the committee that we deal with this matter the way we are dealing with it now. It is correct that if we think we need to add other sort of communications Let's sit down and, and, and agree on them. Any matter that has to be uh, processed by the committee, it is true that I, I should know about that matter as a chair. Remember last week, you members, when we were talking about issues of oversight, you said to me, chair, take the lead. Chair, make it happen. I would want a situation where this committee is effective, as Honorable Mapena is saying. Uh, but I also want us to stay within the framework where all of us are not going to take um, for granted that we understand one thing at the same pace and at the same way. Therefore, let me request that uh, before we really get to this mood and mood, uh, deal with this matter um, and resolve it amicably uh, the way we need to resolve it. But let's not use this platform really to up the temper and, and, and do what we are doing. I request you, honorable members, 
uh, as I had said, this was actually the issue that is, was left over and I think let's look at it and, and resolve it pro uh, properly without allowing a situation where there will be talks that some of us are, are not privy to and if those talks are not winning, then we bring them here. Please, uh, honorable members. Can I take that we have exhausted these issues and uh, properly close the meeting? Um, I don't want to suppress people, but let me, if you insist, um, Honorable Ketamobala, I'll listen to you and allow the DG then to come back. Yes, sir. No, no, Chairperson, I'm not actually against what you have said, but I will be happy if the teacher can tell us if we want to, to contact him, whom can we speak to? Because what other what thing has happened, I've phoned several times on, on the teacher, but he never came back to me. I used to work with the teacher when I was in the um, professional committee of sport. He actually uh, corresponds very well on on the transport uh, portfolio on sports portfolio committee. So I don't know what what changed him now, or either is a pressure or something wrong that is happening in the department. I don't know if he can give us whom can we connect because there's some pending issue that we need to communicate directly to the to the teachers. We always direct to you. Sometimes I spoke to you. Uh, Chairperson, and sometimes to the minister because there's some pending issues on transport. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, thank you, Honourable Ketamobala. I think let's 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 explore uh, that route. If you if you don't get the minister, the deputy minister, you must be able to get me. Uh, if there is a way of communicating with the DG and that way has been there, um, I think we should formalize it uh, accordingly uh, by mutual understanding. DG? Okay. Well, thank you, Chair. Uh, uh, my mother raised me to believe I'm special, and I'm not going to allow anybody to say I'm not special. I am special. If that offends people that I think I'm special, that's their problem. It's not mine. But, Chair, the issue is that uh, there are formal correspondences, and these things I'm saying is not that they are not there. If there are mutual indulgences that are given to people, then so be it. But I don't think that it is a matter that is a matter for the committee. Strictly speaking, yes, I account to the committee, not to the individual members of the committee. I account to the committee. And at no stage have I ever refused to come to the committee to, to respond or any information sent through the formal channels that has never been entertained and so on. But people can request uh, that uh, then something else must happen and that I must account to individual members of the committee. So, Chair, if the request comes through you, and if something is burning indeed, and it's a matter for parliament to raise with government, there are structures, and I've said that when I spoke, there is yourself. Uh, you can call chair at any time, 
and we can raise those issues and they can be attended to. And at no stage have we ever refused to attend to anything that comes via the formal channels. And I think that's where I will leave it at. Uh, and uh, honestly, Chair, I take exception and a serious offense to the issue that says that I'm not special. I am special. DG, <laughs> uh, you are special. We are all special. At that note, DM and honorable members, thank you very much for the meeting. Um, stay blessed, stay safe. Schools are reopening. Let's also assist on the level of transport. I'm sure we should be ready. And uh, those of you who want to keep their children at home, do apply for homeschooling. And uh, let's be useful to the process. Thank you very much, uh, honorable members. You are all special. The meeting is. I am special. Yeah, I am special. God created all of us. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Enjoy your week further. Thank you.